Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay. Devastated after watching the first 15 minutes of the movie Up. And, and I'm, I'm not ashamed. G- and I'm D.T. Catman, and I'm in a good mood after watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, I made sure to stop by Quarks and have a drink on the way home. As you drink from your Quarks bar glass. <laughs> a nice pale ale, perhaps. <laughs> uh, a nice Danish ale. Ah, there we go. There we go. I hate pale ales. <laughs> I They're too okay bitter, and I'm bitter enough as it is. That, that, yeah, you speak truth to power, man. Yeah, you absolutely are. I don't need to be any more bitter. <laughs> I'd rather drink a shandy if I'm going to have a little uh, sour in it. <laughs> drink a shandy. Oh, I love the I love the Narragansett Dell shandy. I uh, I can't say I've ever had the opportunity. <laughs> but. Then again, Don't my, be surprised. I was here. able to buy some Narragansett and the Dell Shandy in Kentucky. So do not be surprised if you see it at a decent uh, liquor store that sells, like, large quantities of beer. I'd have to – the only thing I could think of is BevMo because, like, all the other mom-and-pop places have kind of gone away. Well, what about, like, a – do you guys have, like, a wine and more or something like that? You have a wine and more, actually. Um, it's clear across town. But I guess I could sacrifice myself one day to do it. To look. I'm just saying, you know, I, <laughs> yesterday I was sitting and I bought, you know, you get one of those. Not from a Wines and More, although there is one right up the street from me. I don't need that to buy Narragansett in New England. Uh, no, but the little liquor store. Do you remember where the Friendlies used to be in our old town? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's now a liquor store. So <laughs> it, it was one of our favorite places when I was a kid, and it's one of my favorite places now. It's just like the the, the taste just changed. The taste just changed. It went from yummy to, you know. Delicious. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> well, let me say this. It is a pretty good liquor store. It's it's not a huge liquor store, but it's it's got good stuff. Yeah. Uh, they also have a nice little area where you can buy um, build your own six pack. You know, a lot of them are uh, from local breweries. So I built a six pack yesterday, but you know, you gotta, the, the more I live here, the more I prefer to eat, drink and buy local. Well, as one should. Well, I mean, Yes, so can I buy a Sam Adams and an Narragansett and feel good about myself? Of course I can. They're <laughs> local. I mean, granted, Sam Adams is a huge international beer brand, but um, still. I mean, I'd rather go to a D'Angelo's and get a sub than a Jersey Mike's some days. You know what I mean? I, I hear you. In fact, even uh, more than that, I'd, I'd prefer to get, you know, like a mom and pop pizza shop than you think I'm going to be ordering Domino's here anytime soon. Oh, God. Remember when Domino's actually tasted good? 
Yeah, it got a lot better. It used to suck. It used to taste like cardboard. Yeah. And then, and it, then... It, they did they did change it up a little bit. My thing was Papa John's. Oh, that I haven't tried Papa John's in like fifth in like ten years. That was my go to in college. It it wasn't it. good then. The pizza was always terrible. The cheese bread was pretty good. That, yeah. That would then Papa John's was open later, so that would might be a late night. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Oh, Papa John's also took credit cards, so you could you could order pizza with a credit card uh, or your debit card because I didn't have a credit card in college. But uh, that was that was my main motivator of Papa John's because well, you know you got a necessity. I, <laughs> I may have ordered Papa Gino's twice since I've moved here, and then Papa Gino's is is a home it's a home chain. Yeah, it is. It's My good. brother actually he uh, went uh, the first weekend he was back. They, they, he took the family to Papa Gino's. <laughs> you know what? There's some nostalgia with it. There's nostalgia there is. with going. And of course, the, the same people who own Papa Gino's owns D'Angelo's. But it's like going there. They're like your hometown franchises, right? Yeah. McDonald's is all over the world. You're not going to find Papa Gino's outside of southern New England, most more than likely. You know what I desperately miss out of New England? Good Shaw's cheese. Shaw's is good. Yeah. Shaw's, Shaw's has wonderful cheese selection, and for it just tastes different than what I get out here. That that's 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 my biggest lament. And you know, if that's my biggest lament, then I guess I'm doing all right. Okay. But I, I mean, <laughs> whenever I go back. Um, to, to New England at some point. It's going to happen sooner than later. I will have to go to the deli and get myself a quarter pound of cheese and and, and some bread because it'll just have to happen. Well done. Yeah. Apparently today is World Whale Day. That would make sense why my background on my desktop is a bunch of whales. Yes, I was wondering why I have like a leaping whale in the bottom corner of my computer screen. That's crazy. Microsoft is weird. <laughs> well, it is what it is. There be whales, Captain. There be Very whales. Nice. <laughs> right now, that might be the only uh, movie that wasn't referenced in Picard episode one. I know. I know. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we jump into it? Oh my God. Feet, you know, head first, man. That's, All right. This was awesome. Okay, guys. I got to tell you something. This is the first new track, quote unquote, new track, that I actually was curiously looking forward to. And actually, I had hope. We are reviewing season three, episode one of Picard. I don't call it Star Trek Picard. It's Picard. It's Picard. Well, let, let's just go ahead and throw it out there, folks. Just a reminder, we're not going to do a, a blow by blow every no. with every release. Um, it's actually we can we can sum it up in three sentences, really. It's not that complicated a plot. It's good. That's all you. <laughs> it's damn good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> First impressions. We we will do a review of the entire season at the <gasps> end once it's done. Yes. But we like to get our foot in the door to whet people's appetite for this. And <laughs> Now, uh, 
Oh Here's my God. the deal. Here's the deal, BT. Here's the deal. What did I say when we saw season two, episode one? You're ready for it to let you down. I was ready for it to let me down. And what did season two do? Generally let you down. It generally let me down. No, it specifically let me down. <laughs> but the pilot, or it's the season season one, uh, season two, episode one, pretty decent. That first episode, pretty decent. And then they I just know, and and the 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 new stargazer, the familiar starships in the background. <clears throat> yeah, just <laughs> they just were like, yeah, this is all the things you love. And we're going to go to episode two. Gotcha, bitch. You're going to take it all away. So <laughs> just to keep your just to keep your uh, your appetite whetted in episode two, we're going to cram so many Easter eggs in it. You're going to feel like the Easter Bunny. Exactly. Exactly. Watch. Watch you, <laughs> the walking exposition, go to the Picard's Easter egg room. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean. And, and that is an example of Easter eggs that are completely unnecessary because they're trying to use the Easter oh, egg. Oh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I will not begrudge the Hall of Skulls. I'm sorry. <laughs> but they had to be specifically referencing the Grand Nagus, the uh, Goldukat. General Who Martok. Else? General Martok. Sarek. Yes, Sarek. I mean, they, they they basically hit all of the greatest supporting characters. The, but they didn't I, say which Grand Negus, which was a little. But I I can I can understand that. But did we was it Zach Grand Negus? Well, Zach? That, that would be that. Yeah, Wallace Shawn. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so I okay. The, Long and short of it is, entering this, I was done with Picard, right? I was done. I'm, I, I've already written off Discovery, and I, I usually let I usually let Lower Decks play out before I get invested in it. Because, actually, I, I have you do that. You're my canary in the coal mine for Lower Decks. Um, no, you schmuck. I'm reconnaissance. That's what I do. That's what the CAV yeah. is for. Right. You are the reconnaissance uh, uh, head, yes. Uh, I know I'm, I'm butchering it all, but so I was I was ready to be done with it. However, people I trusted online, and you can always trust certain people online, <laughs> actually saw the entire season and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I'll say this: Robert Meyer Burnett. You get one more reference of him. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying. He's not you off. He is a good Star Trek supporter. I'm he is. I am not saying he's not. I have no beef with him. You drum these certain things into the ground. Well, there's others that I could mention, but Robert Meyer Burnett is a very sensible person. That's very... the last one. Okay. Anyway, he loved it. He saw the whole thing, and he said, guys, trust me. Give it a chance. So that was me giving it a chance. And so I watched it. It came out Wednesday night at 11.45 p.m. my time. It that actually came an oddly out. weird time. I know. <laughs> it happens, though. It did it with the, the Book of Boba Fett, too, when I was in Hawaii. Because it became available at, like, 10.15. 
at night there. So it was weird. Anyway, so I watched it. I was up till 1 a.m. watching it. And actually, I was a little bitch, and I actually cried. Well, like, how were you up for an hour and a hour and 15 minutes when it was only 53 minutes? Pee break. Ah. Uh, a long one. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, when I went to bed, it was it was it was twelve fifty five. So fair enough. Yeah, but uh, I I found a Star Trek that I actually felt was Star Trek. And go ahead. I thought you said Strange New Worlds felt like that. It was close, but this. Seeing, um, seeing the thing about Strange New Worlds is I don't like it how the actors, the the character or the officers like turn, like Pike turning around and going, "Have I ever told you I love this job?" I love that. Besides, I I don't, I don't. It's okay. It's it's fine. It's a stylistic thing. We didn't see that in Picard. We saw a very professional outfit that was happening. And I'm okay with having a different style, a little bit of a different style. It helps keep things a little loose. There was there was just enough there. I mean, it was kind of nice to see somebody with a sense of humor because there there was there's no sense of humor in the captain's chair, really, on no. Discovery. So. No, there's not. There's not. Um, but uh, okay. What did you think? Because I, I'm already giving it a glowing recommendation right now. I, it, it sold me. It sold me, and we can. And I don't want to take too much of your time. Well, I've I watched it twice. Yeah. Um. And there was just I had a smile on my face. I was sitting there watching the opening, and then I realized just having a genuine smile on my face, yeah. not forced. Not nothing, just listening if in like the opening theme, you know, the in the twenty fifth century, the Very Star Trek too. The uh the Alex Courage dun dun dun. The, yeah. the and it, it was very evocative of the movies. Mm-hmm. Very much so. The the uh eighties movies. Yes. It was it was the original series Star Trek uh, movie style that I noticed, and Terry Metalis, the the showrunner, has openly said this is a ten hour movie to to give TNG the proper send off that it always deserved, mm-hmm. and well, it would make well, sense that they do all these callbacks to the TOS movies because the TNG movies not that great. I I have some pluses and minuses when it comes to the music. Sure. When it comes to all the instrumentals and all the callbacks to the next generation and uh, the Star Trek movies, gorgeous. Absolutely love it. Oh, my God, am I tired of listening to 40s music? I know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Look, and uh, don't get me wrong. One of the things I love the most about Captain America, the first Avenger was the music was evocative of the 40s, World right. War II. I just don't understand. Like, 
why would someone in the 25th century why, why, time well i mean we've also got someone. Riker who loves jazz and dick face who likes classical and <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that was fun about like deep space nine was that they allowed music to kind of go off like you had a 60s lounge singer as a recurring character you know Worf liked his klingon opera they didn't just jam down into the classical music in shakespeare like the next generation did right uh but i mean i i don't know but picard did it a lot with the that I don't know. It was like on a car commercial or something like that. The one from last season, which was, I think, in either a French or Italian. The woman, uh, I don't even remember. It was just like this old. I'm losing you. I don't know. I fail to follow. I know you're 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 trying to you're trying to word it. Yeah, but I can't extract it. To help yeah, you. I know, I know. There's just Picard's French, right? Guy. Right. He's playing a song from like 1950, yeah. or even earlier. I think that song is earlier. I think it's 30s. And it's and it's an original recording too. Just isn't it that? Voice def that sounds like. I mean, the whole instrumental and everything. Oh yeah. By the way, it's it's. I almost thought they were going with a western theme, and I guess it's maybe been a long time since I've heard that full song all the way through. But it kind of almost looks sounds like like with the guitar intro that it's going to like lead into like Happy Trails. I'm like, (laughs) we're getting a little bit of a western. What, are we going to get a little fistful of datas here? Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying that this is where they seem to have pigeonholed Picard and his music. A little bit. Yes. I would agree. I would agree. Like, Starfleet, people in the 25th century love really old music for some reason. We saw that with Agnes singing Pat Benatar, Shadow of the Night. Which was excellent. and I mean, the rendition was great, but it was preposterous that she did it. But you know what hey, I mean? Hey, I'm just glad it was It was a song that I didn't need to go ask my grandmother about. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Okay, so you're griping about, it, it, you're it, griping it, about it, the, old, the use of old music. It's, it's, a, it's a small nitpick. It's... It probably probably blew it up more than my concern because I love old music. I have mm-hmm. I have uh, my music is filled. It, it's very, you know, I have Frank Sinatra. I have Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. You know, I have older music. I I, I like it. I love old Christmas carols. You know. Sure. Yeah, you're a delight at parties. Yeah, absolutely. I am a delight at parties. <laughs> That being said, I just kind of thought we'd grow the repertoire a little bit. Right. Again, this is the love letter. So. Yep. But hearing all of the like the the powerful 
film-worthy score that we've got in this. Yes. Beautiful. Very and, Star Trek Two, Star Trek Six-ish. And I'm going to skip towards the end where they go into the first contact theme, and you know how much I love the first contact theme. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've told you my theory that first contact theme is really the true TNG theme. Maybe. It, um, it might be the most beautiful theme it is. written I've, for Star Trek. Oh, it's it's one of Jerry Goldsmith's absolute pinnacles. And it's it evokes at this point now it almost has like this nostalgic sound to it. Not because well, yeah. it not 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 because it's from a twenty year old movie, but because it's from it's the music is not as as haunting as early DS9, which was particularly the first three seasons where it was very almost empty. It was. It was like this, this very lonely. One, yeah, this one lone bugler out on the plane trying exactly. to, you know, maintain you know, maintain a little bit of order here. Yes. On the front lines. There's just something, oh my God, warm about it. I had a warm feeling in my chest watching this episode, and part of it was the music, the scores, <laughs> yeah. the little, you know, the little uh, clips of the various Star Trek themes. A lot of the Alex Courage, dun dun mm-hmm. dun, in there several times. And wow. you got the bongs from First Contact, uh, very yeah. very similar. Which I thought, I mean, it was it was an eclectic choice, which, it, it, but it wasn't like Taskmaster Nine Thousand, where 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 it was all like electrical, you know, synth oh, crap. You know, it was it was and the original the original composition from the 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 composer outdid himself. Uh, it was it was it stood toe to toe with all those other great pieces of music mm-hmm. from the past, which. I gotta say, I mean, yes, the music was definitely a standout performer in this mm-hmm. episode. Thank God. Um, and, you know, it, it's not an overly complicated situation. We basically have Beverly Crusher sending out an emergency stress signal to Picard. Picard's like, what the hell? I haven't talked to her in years. He asked Riker to help him. Riker's got an idea. They get on the Titan. They ask Captain Shaw, hey, we need to go here and you Let's know for our talk own things. about shaw once you're done okay with synopsis yeah it's real quick and shaw's like no <laughs> by the way anyway, seven is his first seven, officer seven is his first officer annika annika hansen annika hansen as as uh, captain shaw likes to say so yeah, there's something to unpack there too but keep going i i believe there is um, which is, I think, which is why he doesn't like Picard. Um, he's got an anti-Borg thing going on, and we're going to find out. So, Seven goes ahead and, and goes against orders and goes to the, the coordinates that Picard needed to go to. Riker's there with him, and they get out, they board on Beverly's ship, and they find her in cryostasis, and then they're attacked by her son, Jack which I don't think is her son. I think it's a clone of Jack 
uh, Jack Crusher. With an English accent? Well, yeah. He does look an awful lot like Rene, though. Uh, the, the actor who played Rene um, in uh, Family. Yes. Well, I mean, Ed Spilliers um, of... Uh, oh. What was the dragon movie? Rain of Fire? No, no, no. Etrigan or something like that. Aragon? Aragon, yeah. He's that kid. Okay. Well, and I hear that, he's got a lot course, of stuff coming out this year, so... Yes, but he's also a Downton Abbey. Um, oh, that's right. Yes. I forgot what he was in Downton Abbey. Downton, not Downton. I know, I, 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 I fucked it, yep. Um, he was one of the footmen. Oh, yeah. He came in later. That's right. Yes. I Jimmy liked him a lot. Yeah, he's a little bit of a playboy. Um, Jack Crusher. Uh, he's clearly Jean-Luc Picard's son. <laughs> All right, let, let's just get to the fact that not long, we assume that not long after Nemesis and Beverly goes to Starfleet Medical, it sounds like she and Picard tried to they definitely date a little. Relationship. They definitely hooked up. And then she disappears and she talks to nobody. Not Deanna, who was like her best friend. Not mm-hmm. Jordy, not Worf, not Riker. She didn't even call Miles O'Brien. No. Just not no. cool. <laughs> so. She did the Irish goodbye. She disappears and gives birth to Jean-Luc Picard's kid somewhere. This is speculation. All speculation. But there's a... <laughs> there's definitely enough evidence there to make it look like that's where they're going with this. <laughs> I mean, this isn't the first time they've tried to drop a long-lost Picard kid on them. Right. Yes, this is true. Uh, What was that one called? It was... Not family. It was like that. Was like the second to last or third to last episode of. TNT. You know what? It wasn't a bad episode either. No, no, but it was. It did feel left. Uh, it, it it felt like it was out of left field. Well, the weird thing was too was it was it 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 circled all the way back to the battle from season one. Box revenge. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was weird. You know what? I heard, little side, that TNG wasn't meant to have just seven seasons. The writers thought that they were going to have eight. So, which is why season seven feels a little weird. Because the writers, halfway through, were thinking, oh yeah, we've got a whole other season after this that we can really wrap things up and do things with. But that's, that's not what Paramount wanted. They wanted to get the TNG cast into the movies as soon as possible. So. Yeah. Well. Weird, right? Yeah. Bloodlines, oh, the episode. That would that would have been interesting because you have the Dominion showing up in season, really showing up in season three of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And can you imagine 
And of course, the Maquis plot lines and everything. It would be very interesting if TNG went an eighth season before it went to the movies. Interesting indeed. Yeah, it changes your whole perspective on the wrap-up of TNG, doesn't it? A little, a little. But not a, that's something for us to unpack in another episode. Right. I think. Uh, but, yes, a lot of so, great callbacks in this episode. Some that were kind of Easter eggy, but others that just seemed more natural. L-Cars. They had real L cars. Thank God. Like the the computer interface, it just it it was nice. It was bright. It was clean. It was literally lifted from Michael Okuda's designs. Beautiful. It was great. I loved seeing that. Uh, that I knew when they showed authentic L cars colors. I'm like, okay, they're really leaning into this is real Star Trek. You get Picard's <laughs> captain's log from when they're hiding in the nebula from the Borg in Best of Both Worlds on an old-style TNG computer laptop. Yep. Yeah, okay. which is weird, but I'm sure that's going to be relevant later on. I think it so. just makes sense. You know, she's out on the frontier. <gasps> she probably doesn't have all the most cutting-edge technology. It's a small no. ship. Very I mean, small when, ship. When the shuttle docks, it backs in. It looks kind of like the the phantom landing on the ghost. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Which exactly. makes you realize when they sneak out, it's like, that thing, shit must only be two, three decks tops, because that thing looks like a full-size runabout. It, 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 I mean, it is practically a glorified big runout, uh, runabout, essentially. I mean, but um, if they call it a shuttle, and it, in the inside, when you have Picard and Riker, it doesn't look that big. I mean, maybe the door behind it leads to a aft section, but it doesn't look like it's going to have, like, a second floor. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, but I was impressed with the, the, the ship Elios, um, which was a neat, neat name. I got to look uh, it up. They're getting weird with the ship names again. I know. I know. They don't... <laughs> They they want to stay away from the traditional like U.S. military names for some reason to try oh, to look look I I get La Serena you know kind of fitting um Rios's heritage and background no I respect sure. that I'm good with that Elios and I'll have to look it up it's probably some sort of Latin medical term uh yes yeah uh. Actually, we could just look it up right now. Anyway, keep going. You'd figure um, that, oh, that would be something we looked up before we started this cast. Why would we do prep work? Why would we do that? <laughs> that implies a certain amount of... Um, the prep oh, it's work Greek. I That's did. What I okay, uh, yeah. And the sun god, sometimes called a titan, he drove a chariot daily from east to west across the sky. Oh, with an H. Yeah. Yeah, Helios. Oh, I, I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, the way they pronounce it. I mean, I've heard it pronounced with the H sound. If they mm -hmm. had said that, that would have struck with me. Now, there was a lot of Greek names of starships. We've heard the Archimedes and Agamemnon and all these names thrown around. There's the Ares. Wasn't that one of the ships Riker was offered? Yes, it was. So there's a lot of Greek names because the British Navy uses, you know, used a lot of those names. Like Greek and Roman names. 
That is true. That is true. So, okay, so it's Greek. Fine. Okay. Um, There's clearly I, going to be a reason behind why it's the the Helios is the name of the ship then. Yes. I well, mean, it, it made sense when like she was the captain of the Pasteur in All Good Things because it was a medical ship. And exactly. Pasteur is a good name, right? Yep. Or a medical ship. Mm-hmm. Um, Riker. Let's talk about Riker for a second. I he like this Riker. stood out. He stood out. Like, we we both talked about how Riker, you know, after Best of Both Worlds, he just was kind of there. The writers really didn't know what to do with him. I disagree. You think so? Well, I mean, Riker, really, if we're looking at it militarily, he wouldn't have stayed on that ship. Even if Picard had come back to command the Enterprise, which he probably wouldn't have, just right. in the real military world. Um, but let's just say Picard is allowed to command the Enterprise. Riker would have been promoted to captain without his choice, and he yep. would have been given like a frontline starship after that. Another galaxy class or a nebula class or something. Some right. top-line badass starship. And he'd be reluctant, but. Yeah, no, I, I mean, had, I agree. If they had if he had turned a, a starship command down again, he would have been done. He literally turned it down three times. You don't get to in most militaries, you don't get to turn down <laughs> command, you know, something more than once. Right. Keep it. It's, it, but again, it, what called insubordination? I mean, <laughs> not really. It's not really insubordination, but it is career suicide. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that being said, for the sake of the TV show, I get it. OK, but then you also get the whole. His. Uh, the the Thomas Riker. That was a good episode, but that was more about Thomas and not Will. But you also get f- things like frame of mind. Decent. That I mean, that's a that's a mind freak episode. I don't like mind freak episodes. Well, they, they give me anxiety. They gave him two yes. hits, that and schisms. Yeah, well, schisms is an abduction story. That was that's a that's a good one. That's well. Let's yeah. also not forget first contact. No, uh, well, I'm just talking about to, where Riker, Riker literally has oh. to doink his way to freedom. Well, yeah, with Lilith. <laughs> the, the most Riker episode ever. Oh my god, yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that he did. He he was devoid of any good episodes. What I'm just saying is, like they had him on as this Captain Kirk esque kind of character, and then. But then they realized how good Patrick Stewart is as Picard, and so they kind of pushed Riker in the role that he's supposed to be in the ship as the, you know, XO. Um, but you see, fine. something like Best of Both Worlds would have been also an excellent season or series finale. Yes, exactly. So I mean, granted, I, it's it's. I mean, it would have been a natural jumping-off point to Riker taking his own command. Right. Exactly. Now, here in Picard season three, I just loved I loved Riker. I mean, he, he got a call from Picard and saying he needs help to save Beverly. 
and he's like, I'll be right there. They this... meet him 10 forward, and he's not overly quippy. Like, I was afraid that we would be seeing something similar to Lower Decks Riker. Which, by the way, Lower Decks Riker is excellent. He's 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 Riker on steroids this, times a hundred thousand. This <laughs> is this Riker right now is probably a good cross between Lower Decks Riker and Nepenthe Riker. I with, would agree with that. With enough of best of both worlds Riker. Yeah. Because let's be honest, Patrick Stewart is not as strong on screen as, as he used to be. And it's fine. It's it's not a criticism. It's coming for all of us. Okay. But you know what? It fits though here. It did fit with Riker being there. It was a good duopoly that I really appreciated. Well, they slid into the roles so easily, although it was a little weird at times listening to him call him Jean Luc. Although when he called him Captain when they boarded the ship, I'm like Yeah. <laughs> Is, is this a mistake? Oh, no. He's like, sorry, hold on. Yeah, and Jean-Luc called him around like, huh? <laughs> or when they're on the bridge with Seven. You're seeing oh, yeah. some of the slips of Picard a little. Yeah, I mean, he's 100 years old practically. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, exactly. he's probably like 95, 96 years old. Yeah. But it's like, oh, nice recovery, Admiral. Shut it, Will. <laughs> yeah. It's as close as shut up, Leslie, as we're probably yeah. just going to get. But yeah, you get, you get seven yeah. trying to hold this smirk in between because she's literally sitting between this. Yeah, but it's this is like the Star Trek buddy cop that we never got that really we just is. really wanted. Yeah, we, we had no idea. And an admiral and a captain in a bunk bed in like a lower deck <laughs> quarter area. And, how utterly humiliating. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it if I didn't have to get up so many times to pee. <laughs> He's made. They made a lot of good old, you know, getting older jokes, like having to get up several nights, times a night to pee, as well as the, your hands are stiff and my knees ache. Let's hope we don't have to move or shoot anybody. <laughs> yeah, that was good too. And that was that was a good restrained humor right there. It wasn't an over the top kind of like ridiculousness. Well, it's not lower decks, but it's it's the right kind of quip that we get we've got in Star Trek. Yes, that that we that we I'm I'm so, I'm thinking of Tignataro's over the top kind of stuff. She can be over the top at times, but then she can also be devastating with that dry wit. Usually I, it's usually it's Damit's expense, which I always find awesome <laughs> because it, it went from just enjoying watching Stamet has somebody get Stamet's goat to watching their dynamic. That is something I enjoy, the two of them when they're both on. Yeah. But getting back to it, Riker and Picard, they fall into this it's it's now less about who's the captain, who's the first officer, who's the admiral, who's the captain. It's now two f- old friends who trust each other implicitly, but who aren't afraid to, you know, bust each other's chops or, you know. I mean, it, it, Riker calling out Guinan's bartender. It's a galaxy <laughs> classroom, lady. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling there's been so many references to the Galaxy class. I have a feeling they're going to be getting a Galaxy class out of mothballs from the, the, the Starfleet Museum. You're going to see something. It, you know, there's we, just way too many references. There has to be. Well, there's here's a reference that came out of nowhere that I absolutely loved. An Enterprise reference. Captain Rachel Garrett, the Red yeah, Lady. Yeah, the Red Lady. I, yeah. Why I the statue that was red was a little weird, but a tip of the hat to one of the most underrated of Enterprise captains. Yes, yes. Um, agreed. I liked that too. Um, Which, and I've heard, I've seen some review videos. I've heard some things. There's definitely some references to. There's some things that lead me to believe oh, we, you might get yesterday's I Enterprise. Keith Crosby is going to be in this too. Somewhere, although so I know Terry McAuliffe be... swears up and down it's not going to be Sila, but. <sighs> Yeah. Did you catch the did you catch the star system, the Metallic star system? <laughs> I enjoyed that. I thought That's, that was cute. That, I, I felt that was cute. Uh, there's all he's allowed. It's and it's okay. Yes. That's the kind of tongue in cheek humor I enjoy. Yes. When you watch the A Team movie good. and two of the stars were LT Starbuck and Reg Barkley. Well played. Yeah. <laughs> First off, the movie playing in the background is running the old A-Team theme, and then you occasionally get cuts to the actors and their nods to legendary sci-fi characters played by two of the stars. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I know I know what you're did saying. You, did you watch the A-Team reference in, in Picard? No, no, no. Did you ever watch the A-Team movie with Liam No, Mason? No, I didn't. I didn't. So, that came out in okay. head. Yeah. All right. Well, I I've already that, basically spoiled it for cool. you. They're breaking Murdoch out of the mental institute, which, of course, is something they always did in the original series. And they're playing, uh, and, and Murdoch's getting it set up, so they're like, he's got all the people from the psych ward in, and they're watching a movie, and they're playing this He's giving him like uh, all, they're giving him all 3D glasses, but the movie starts growing and it's literally just like trucks and shit running across the desert playing the original A-Team theme song. And, oh. and if you, you know, every now and then it'll cut to the screen and there's a there's a name is like showing the credits and it's like LT Starbuck and then Reg Barkley were names that pop Nice. Up. I caught that oh. movie theater. My nerd brain just exploded. <laughs> uh, okay, that makes sense then. Sorry. All right. I, 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 I'm okay with the occasional overt references. I mean, Futurama has done that a million times, The Simpsons, you name it. But needless to say, well played, Indeed. sir. Yes. Well played. Yes. Now, let's talk about Captain I want to talk... Okay. Yeah, let's talk about Captain Shaw. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Captain Shaw. Todd Stashwick, who did actually have a guest starring role in an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. So it's it's what? nice. It, just a guest role, really, not okay. much anything. Um, I don't even remember. Uh, I just 
I, I'm glad to see that they're actually bringing people back with Trek cred. Well, he worked with Terry Metalis in 12 Monkeys. I know, and so. I guess there's a ton of 12 Monkeys re- references in this show. Oh, that I can't speak to, but I sure. don't. I don't get them either. I'm just saying I've, I've read some reviews and people who did watch it. He was, oh, he was a Vulcan in the Kershara episode during the um, Enterprise of the um, the Vulcan arc of season four. And they were doing those little. Oh, yeah. Yep. I haven't gotten to that point. I just finished season three and I'm like three episodes into season four. So well, hard rewatch. It was good. Oh, it's a great. It, those last two seasons are excellent. Mm hmm. Um, but uh, Captain Shaw. Captain Shaw. Okay, so real stickler for the rules. This could easily go one way. He's. You remember Captain Styles from the Excelsior in Star Trek Three? Oh. The guy who used to carry around the little stick and was like filing his nails. Oh yeah, Hauser's dad. Yeah, a real pompous ass. Yes. So. By the book, a very by the book man. What? A real dick, whereas Styles was kind of an ass and was kind of like puffed up about himself. This yeah. guy was just so he was so angry and bitter. Calling jazz bebop and like talking shit to a clearly senior captain. And, <laughs> he, and let me let me tell you, I've met retired general officers. I wouldn't mouth off to a retired general <laughs> officer. Because no. there literally is an office that manages retired general officers. Okay. Because once you become a flag officer in the military, at least in the U.S. military, you can be called back a lot faster than other people can. Uh, a, and, yeah. you know, if you get in trouble, like if something comes up years later – Dudes have, dudes have gotten have gotten reduced in grade in retirement. And, of course, when you really? lose a star, oh, yeah. When you lose a star in retirement, that's a substantial chunk of change. You're still in pretty good shape as far as <laughs> as a retired you know, senior. But the sheer level of disrespect, oh, my God. Now, granted, he was playing on his home turf, but that's bad news. Well, okay. because yeah. all because all Picard or Riker have to do is call higher up the chain than this schmuck and say, you know what, this guy's not receptive to visitors. We're just making subjections. And of course, as captain of the ship, he is very much says, look, you know, he could have played it a little bit differently. He was like, sir, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, when he said all of this stuff is higher up, but he was just so arrogant and <laughs> dickish about it. Were we late for, for the meal? Well, Man. as it turns out, uh, your reputations preceded you into the room, so I figured, why not? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I mean, all very snappy writing, all well acted by this guy. I, I didn't really mm-hmm. know much about Todd Stashwood. I just know that the guy really nails this character, who is a prick, and I've served with guys like him. It it must have been f- interesting. 
to see that. Now, so my immediate that even in the 25th century, he could have gotten lost his command over. If seven of nines actual name on her Starfleet record when she enlisted or joined or whatever it was, was listed as seven of nine. And he calls her by a name she she does not go by. Well, that's an HR complaint. Yeah. In in the LGP, LGBTQ plus community, that's called dead naming. Which, uh, I, which is highly offensive. I, I know. I know it is. And I didn't I, – I, I, I liked didn't how they handled that. it because yeah. it was – I immediately caught it. I liked how it was handled because she's seven. Her name is Seven. And it felt weird that her captain is like, no, no, no Borg, no Borg designations. You are Annika Hansen, which, again, this is going to come back because there's a reason why Shaw does does not like Picard like or, or Riker. And he he throws a little slur, a Borg slur at both of them, and, and which, which causes Riker to go watch it. Like, to, you know, he sticks up for Picard, which is, you know, a great moment, by the way. Um, Not just Picard, but also seven, 7 9, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah. Because it's basically was, like dropping, he almost like dropped like the N-word. Maybe not quite yeah. to that level, but he definitely threw like a, uh, maybe not the N-word per se, but another, like, he basically threw a racial slur out there or a stereo. Right. Okay. Now, all of the reports I hear are that Shaw will feature prominently, but he's also going to show that he's a very competent, good leader with just a very different style. Shades of Jellico. Okay, so one, already I've seen bad leadership. Okay. I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, but 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 this is Hollywood now. There's a difference between being competent and being a good leader. I agree. Okay, I agree with that he too. He could be technically sound, but it doesn't make him a good leader. What he did, basically refusing to call Seven of Nine by her designation, should have immediately had him up against the Starfleet Review Board. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that too. And this is My in point. the Lucy Goosey Federation Starfleet. Right. Yes, it would have been. My point is, do you remember season two, episode one of Discovery, when Pike comes over with a couple crewmen and we have that asshole science officer that's basically talking shit to Michael? No. And he's like, he, they literally go into an asteroid field in their own pods and, you know, the, the science officer's talking shit and Michael's telling him to... Yeah, and then he gets killed right away. Like it, it. What what bothered me about that was there was no point in having that man there. He didn't add anything. All he was there to do was just to insult Michael for no reason at all. And then and then know. there's the satisfaction of of seeing him dead. Like okay, fine, but what was the point of that? There was no point behind it. Right here, we're seeing a complex character. Much betterly, better written, betterly written. Uh, um, Jeez, out of my. Shaw. Out of Shaw. I I'm think not we, saying that yet. I think we will. 
I, I'm seeing seeds of it. You're you're clouded because of 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 your reality. Back- yes, of your background. You have a new perspective that I don't have. Well, here's the thing. Again, and that's okay. There's a, there's that's a difference okay. between being competent and knowing your knowing your rules and regulations, and being a good leader. Right now, he's not showing good leadership. Okay. I think what we'll we'll see we'll see a reason for because obviously Picard has affected him having Picard there. He he I mean the blatant disrespect he's showing to them. There's going to be a reason why. So we're going to see it. We just don't know. We're just supposed to think he's an. If Shaw's worried about loyalty putting Seven's career at risk, he literally put his own career at risk by not receiving a visiting admiral and captain. And receiving him the way they did in his, you know, at dinner. Because I think he knew something was up. Because Picard and Riker would have been in a lot of trouble if they got caught by Starfleet. Then all he had to do was contact Starfleet and go, "Is what's going on with this? I, I mean, yes, that's a plot hole. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um yeah, that's a plot hole. The man, the man is. I'm just but, delighted. But it, but, it, yeah. but it also means that he like assumes something's up. Yeah, because I he he already had his BS detector going, especially when he when when uh, Picard fucked up and said Starbase uh, Deep Space Four. Oh, he was already dead against anything before Picard said Deep Space Four. Right, he was, but. Deep Space Four really sent it home uh, that I don't need to listen to anything these guys have to say. They're here. I'm trying to run a ship, and they're here interfering with with my everyday operations. This is unacceptable. I've dealt with inspections from politicians and general officers, and I can't get off saying, well, sir, your visit is highly (laughs) – your visit is interfering with my ability to do my job. Unless it's literally at this point in time putting people's lives at risk, I couldn't get away with saying that. And neither could this, neither should this guy, because at this point, no lives were being put at risk, as far <laughs> as I know. They, no, it was just a general inspection right before Frontier Day, which I kind of like the idea. He also shredded the man's Day? wine. He oh yeah, he did. He did. He did. I'm, I'm more of a burgundy man myself, but thank you. <laughs> he was, he was so condescending. He was like, "Oh, thank you, Chateau Picard." Well, I'm more of a burgundy man myself, but thank you. <laughs> or Bordeaux, or <laughs> it was something along that line. And then, and then he throws shade at Riker for all the jazz that he had in the computer. Um, I like memory. meter. I like structure. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How do you move with that stick so far up your ass? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out, and he's going to be a sympathetic character. Sympathetic-ish. I think he's going to die. I have a feeling he's going to get the job done. Yeah, but I think he's going to die. Legit think he's probably going to die at some point. I would think that, that would leave the universe in a lesser quality, but it's possible. I won't argue. No, with it. it will, and then Captain Seven will take over command of the Titan. That's just where I'm seeing this. Yeah. At this point, Shaw is not showing himself to be a character you want to root for. No, no, he's more of a hindrance. I, and, I, and I'm not saying that 
by the way, Todd Stashwick is killing it in this role. So good. So good. He's, he's excellent at it. Uh, <laughs> definitely a very quality actor who brings such unlikable. Everything he says is unlikable. Yep. Yep. So now he's completely in the right for ripping seven a new asshole. Even, but here's and here's where I will say this: is he didn't nuke her live and in person in the middle of the bridge. He said it right next to her ear. Yeah, he um, said it close to her. Yeah, well, looks like your loyalties. Uh, what was it? You loyaltyed your way out way of a career. Out of a career. That's what it was. Actually, very well said, by the way. <laughs> like. But yeah, um, so uh, you know the jury. The jury will be out. You know we'll get to enjoy seeing how the season plays with him. So, but an interesting, an interesting uh, situation where I feel like if the writers of Discovery were in charge, he would have been killed before the end of this episode. I, I mean, I'm willing to see where he's got to go. If if he's got something, you know, I'm sure he's got something in place. Um, but again, if he got killed in this episode and forced Seven to take command, I wouldn't have been heartbroken. Yeah. It probably <laughs> would have been a waste of having a bit more great acting from Todd, Tash, uh, Todd Tashwick. But yeah. Still, uh, yeah. excellent. You know, he played an excellent douchebag. Yes. Um, I can't figure out how to transition to this, but we do need to talk about Rafi. Uh, not yet. I want to talk about Beverly oh. first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please go. I'll, Beverly Crusher kicked so much ass. <laughs> and you know what? It's leading. She got as much ass kicking in this two, three minute scene than she got in. A collective, you know, seven-ish seasons and movies. You know, six seasons yep. and four movies. She got she more ass. Car. She did. <laughs> but, I mean, let's just, how many t- times did she get into any sort of combat? Very little. Not much, no. And in a hundred Which... or whatever she had, probably 140 episodes. Something like that, yeah. And she was all but sidelined during the movies. Yeah. She well, probably I'm had the sure. least amount to do in all of the movies. Of probably anybody. was part of the, the trifecta, as like Bones was. But even Deanna at least had, she flew the ship. <laughs> and, and, the and, and then she's the one who Slew is a loosely <laughs> Deanna still had more to do. She, had a, she got to do counseling with Picard after his family died. Yes. She tries to infiltrate and get information from Zephyr and Cochran and get shit-faced. Deanna had a lot more to do in the movies than Beverly. Yeah, I, because I, I feel like... Remember, she was also coming under psychic attack in Nemesis. That's true. Yeah, and, she had a and because of that, she helped them find the scimitar while it was cloaked. Right. So, 
Okay. No, I mean, you, you make valid points on how Beverly, Beverly just wildly the, the, underutilized. What, what, was, what was the best thing Beverly did? You know, turn on the EMH in, in, um, uh, in, in First Contact? No. Curse about that? expression where she was talking about her boobs being firmer. I mean, yeah. Did she? Did she and Deanna get to wield phaser rifles in that? Yes, they did. They both got a chance to shoot some shit, which is great. They actually were carrying the rifles. I noticed. I think in that movie, and they're, like yeah. all the dudes were carrying hand phasers, except for Worf, who got the shoulder cannon. He got the he got the bazooka. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I swear the the TNG movies would turn Worf into their like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Assimilate oh, yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> Destiny feeling aggression's tendencies, sir. <laughs> uh, I would say I feel like I've heard. No, this is not a feel thing. I've heard that everyone gets to shine in their roles. Good, because you get oh. that opening couple of scenes with Beverly Crusher was the best Beverly Crusher we've seen. Yes. Okay. I agree. Gates McFadden got to star in her own action sequence with nobody bailing her out and nope. taking out the last dude while severely wounded. Okay. Which, by the way, those guys are definitely members of the swarm. Sure. They are. They totally are. <laughs> like, they okay, even okay. sound like the swarm. I rewatched that episode. Okay. I'm just saying. I feel like this is a bigger deal than it's not. I, feel like well, I, I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> see that episode of Voyager. <laughs> It doesn't make as much sense to me that there's a Voyager race hunting Jean-Luc Picard and his crew, but... Oh, you just wait. Actually, those ships do look like swarm ships, too, now that I think about it. But we'll see. So, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the fun part. We'll get to see it all play out. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing it play out. They actually, they, they didn't over... Don't forget, though, they, they made the same clicking sound as the aliens from Chisholm's. It was it was a combination of what yeah. the swarm sounded like and what the, the Schism aliens sounded like, yeah. So, I mean, there there's something there. I mean, clearly things will be revealed, and, I, you know, I, I look forward to seeing how things go. By the way, it definitely looks like Beverly Crusher had a Starfleet shotgun. Yes. Because if you watch this, if you watch First Contact and all in those phaser rifles, they were used like basically semi-automatic weapons. Right. Right. But this had this had like a. a, But then again, remember when Picard and Riker beam over and they find the guy she fucking dusted face down on the ground when she wounded him and just yeah obliterates him. Riker was like, "Have you ever seen phaser ashes like ashes like this from a phaser?" And he's like, "No." So I think we've just seen 25th century Star Trek shotguns. Okay. She had to pump, and it had a little counter on it. Yeah. And it vaporized people. It was like that uh, rifle that Mando <laughs> uses. Yeah. Remember when he was blasting all those Jawas? And, what was it? Oh, my God, two? yes. <laughs> um, so, she was I also mean, wearing a Wrath of Khan coat. Yes, it was very reminiscent of that. And there was lots of Wrath of Khan imagery like the the in the 25th century was like in the 23rd century from wrath of khan Mm -hmm. you had 
the Ed Spilliers, the Jack Crusher being very David Marcus like yes. on regular when they jump in attack, you know, Picard and Riker. By the way, it, was it Kirk who, who eventually punched David in the face when he got the drop on him? Something like that. Uh, yes, that would have been. It would only have been Kirk but that would then, have punched him in the face. But once the kid lets his guard down, Riker just boom, elbow to the grill. Yeah, takes. Oh yeah, <laughs> hold a phaser on me, <laughs> punk. It's like, bitch, do you know who I am? Exactly. I'm fucking Riker. <laughs> I sit in chairs the way I want to sit in them. <laughs> Which, of course, Rikering does actually have a legitimate reason why, but. Right, yes. Jonathan Frakes back issues. Yeah. But uh I I really hope we see him do that at least once. We've gotta see him do it at least oh, once. Oh yeah, they would. They'll they're they're gonna have it happen. They'll have it happen, trust me. Um You know what I haven't seen in a while? A Picard maneuver. Oh, yeah, because he's not wearing the uniform. He's been wearing coats, open coats. Well, he's old. He's wearing turtlenecks. Really, what he's doing is looking like he's wearing a like a civilian version of the um, <laughs> velour or velvet or whatever the, <laughs> the velveteen the velveteen pajamas that yeah. <laughs> that he wore as a uniform, <laughs> which I never understood that Captain uniform prerogative. I guess, I guess. Well, it's kind of but... like Kirk and and Pike's green wraparound. Yeah, I never understood that either. Well, huh, I think I'm just going to expose my upper chest hair. To, <laughs> like, uh, Neither of those goos, dudes expose chest hair. That's true. They, they shaved it first. Yeah, and, and Anson Mount is way more ripped than William Shatner was <laughs> in the 60s. <laughs> but, All right. I, you know, Raffi, she gets a neat subplot. It kind of looks like she had fallen on hard times. Claims she's meeting with Orions, which it's nice to see that they're not like plasticky looking like they were in season four or three or four of Discovery. Four, yeah. Three when they get there. Uh, the Emerald it was Chain. Four. Oh, yeah. Oh, Discovery. And, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah. 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 What was her name? Osira or whatever her name was. Her face yeah, wasn't Osira. moving. It was so off-putting. I know. Yeah. No, this was good. I, I like how we're seeing the Orions more. Hey, there was one in Starfleet when Picard was doing the inspection. Saw that. Saw that. Liked that. Bold, Would have liked bald, to see an Andorian. Trills. There, I guess there are Andorians in the bar that in, in 10 forward. Okay. But again, oh, background. Oh, yeah. I might have missed that. Um... I, I've over the last couple of days since I watched it on Friday night, I've watched a few videos. I've read a few articles. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a lot of great callbacks to the Wrath of Khan. You also have the the genesis, the generation scene where Riker and Picard meet LaForge's daughter, reminiscent of yeah. Yeah. and Company meeting Sulu's daughter. That was although good. a little less embarrassing for Sulu's daughter than for LaForge's daughter. <laughs> Riker yeah. is that your dad's friend who throws out the embarrassing stories in the middle of your workplace. Yep. Crash, crash LaForge. <laughs> Which I, is I kind of funny because 
Shorty's first job was flying the ship, too. Yeah. The blind man flying the starship. Yeah. Well, it was intentional yeah. to have so a LaForge be, be an pilot. without a Sulu at the helm. Yeah. Right. Which you can't really say that without, you know, but whatever, whatever. It's fine. It's it's good. It was nice to see. It was nice to see Sydney. Now, I know Mika Barton plays one of uh, LaForge's other kids. Yes. Um, is is this actress one of LeVar Burton's no. kids, too? No, 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 just Mika. OK. So, um, oh, that's cool. I looked it up because <laughs> uh, you have to. Um, so, yeah, no. Uh, but she she was she was a neat. She was a nice little add on to the to the cuteness of the show. Um, Raffi, I was never a fan of. Yeah, I was beaming ear to ear, which, you know, I liked that. That was cute. It was she's just standing there waiting to be noticed. Well, you get a couple of those little things. Nice recovery, Admiral. Shut it, Will. You know, so <laughs> you get a little bit of this. It's an old... informality camaraderie. Right. Which it's... there's not too much informality, but it's just enough. It's 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 not overwrought. And that's what I appreciate about this episode. Right. And it's just you know... enough of everything. And I know you said you were never the biggest fan of Rafi. And she was just an awful character that was written. But yes, not as particularly season one. She was a mess. Season yeah. two, she got a little better. I'll, um, I'll agree with that here. I really liked the scenes that she was in. I well, not, the whole Starfleet intelligence and. Yeah, like I kind of worried that she had dropped and had fallen off the wagon. Off the wagon, yeah. Um, I mean, they made it look like that, but then you see that she's got the stims or whatever it is, and she's she's actually conflicted. She's trying to throw it away, but she's like, do I? I, And then she she eventually dies at the very end. That you know, very taxing on her. Well, it's it's funny you see. I was just watching an episode of NCIS, and one of the newer characters, Nick Torres, that's played that's Wilmer Wilmer Valderrama's character, who's been on NCIS the last few years. Yeah, he's a former undercover operative who spent years undercover, and now is finally back. But he's he's also just recently decided to give up drinking and everything. So. He turns down an assignment because he was just newly sober because he he knew he wasn't ready to go back undercover where he might be around that stuff. So that was kind of an interesting point in a recent episode, which I appreciate. Um, Yeah. But then it brings Raffi when she's having this argument with her handler. Do you know how hard this is to be in, in, in my life? And this just proves like this is like such like a CIA thing, like where they throw the. Or at least the TV CIA, where they, like, throw her a record. She's like, yeah, but, like, I know I was discharged, but I came back. And, you know, I've I've been successful, but you're putting me in a position where I'm going to be surrounded by substances and stuff. And I need more information. And you're being a real dick and not helping out. How much do you bet it's, it's lore? That, be interesting. That's, that's the other side of that screen. It'd be interesting considering... He's clearly wearing 
a Starfleetish looking uniform at some point. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm I'm interested to see where the story will take Rafi because uh, first of all, terrorist attack out of left field. Not only did they blow up the building, it fell through a portal onto another portion of the city. Which, by the way, did you hear the screaming in the background? I did. Very good add to that. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you didn't see anyone. By the way, they and you thought that was Starfleet headquarters. I was worried. Yeah, I did genuinely. But do you know what it was? Uh, It was a Starfleet outpost, right? It was a Starfleet recruitment center. Oh, shit. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Which brings me back to some uh, hairier moments when recruiting stations had come under fire my first tour in recruiting. That uh, That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Damn, okay. Neat little detail. A joint recruiting station where, you know, sometimes you'll have places where, like, all four services will have, like, will we'll go in on, a uh, on like, a building. Yeah. It'll be called, like, an Armed Forces Recruiting Center, and there'll be, like, all the branches there. Well, one of those ones in New York was broken into, and they actually called up – actually, NCIS was part of – came up to investigate because there were plates stolen off of government vehicles, and uniform wow. things were disappearing. So it looked like the prelude to possibly a terror attack. Some kind of terrorist attack, yeah. yeah. So, Ugh. you know. Yeah. So NCIS visited one of my recruiting stations. Interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure Army CID was there too, but Oh sure, yeah. Anyway. Um Rafi, I think, is going to add an interesting subplot to this. I liked seeing Seven of Nine call Picard out. Picard and Riker. Yeah. As she should as the first officer of that ship. When she suspects something and Riker's like, whoa, you can't do that. And she's like, well, I I couldn't as talking to a superior officer, but as somebody I consider a friend, Riker's like, "Eh, she's got me there. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) And Picard clearly trusts her. And then as they're flying away on the show, he's like, I like that seven. Yeah. Yeah. Picard. uh, It wouldn't have surprised me if I mean, if this was 25 years ago, Riker probably would have been hitting on her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah a little different now but i i do like Can i, I do tell like you the integration of seven with this excellent an actress seven uh, uh, jerry, jerry ryan, ryan has been in picard go ahead she's just i mean this this version of seven that we get which is far which is far more emotional a little bit more human, mm-hmm. particularly once you move from season one to season two, now into season three. Jerry Ryan has really brought up her acting game. I mean, it took some decent acting to do the thing she had to do in the original in Star Trek Voyager. Not yes. it was not not trashing her acting ability. It's not that she was wooden. The character was designed to be less emotional and whatnot as part of her Borg deprogramming. But yes. wow, was she, has she really just, she steals scenes. 
<laughs> she's standing up there with actors far older and more accomplished. Well, one extremely well, you know, iconic actor. And and Jonathan Frakes has, has turned has no been no slouch either. No. She's holding her own with all of them. Yes. I mean, the tension in the room with her and Riker and Picard, or the tension between her, Riker, Picard, and, and Shaw. That was well done. It was a very yeah, well done scene. There was no shitty acting anywhere. No. no, I agree. I agree. And for them, I think 90% of everything I've seen here in this first episode, the acting was good and the writing was generally solid. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from some nitpicks here and, you know, personal preferences there, this was a very well acted episode. Well written, too. Yes. Uh, Very, it was very concise um, uh, plot, you know, nothing extraneous. There's really only two plots that we're looking at right now. The terrorist plot and what happened to Beverly. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Rescue Beverly. That's it. And that's nice. There's a nice simplicity in that. I yep. like that. I really wish that they would add some lighting to these goddamn scenes. Please. Can <laughs> Even we can the we heighten is <laughs> It's so dark. The space scenes are gorgeous. And by the way, flying out of space dock, very reminiscent of Star Trek 6. And it was or wonderful. Or Star Trek Three when they're escaping. Yeah, the, that's uh, true. Yeah, you, I, mean, I, you I, get the pass around from the motion picture in Star Trek Two. There's a yeah. lot of these. Yeah, we got that, and I, I think we, Four and Five are the only ones that haven't gotten love just yet because we've named Generations and First Contact as well in this that have gotten some yeah. love. Yeah. Oh, and uh, there's a reference to O Nine with the Borg ship. The, the 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 enemy ship that comes out of the nebula at the end of the episode. Well, that wasn't the Borg ship. That was the Narada. Well, it I know, but it's reminiscent of that. And you hear the bong, the same right, bong that you I'm hear. but I'm saying the, it wasn't Borg. That was the Narada, the Romulans. I'm sorry. The Narada was augmented with Borg technology. Right. Uh, but, yeah. Um, You're right. Narada, I noticed that, too. It was also kind of like Klingon-y looking, too, a little at times. With the prom, I think this but. ship looks better. I think this ship looks better than the Narada. Well, the Narada looked like a, a pineapple on steroids. It, that 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 ship had no logistical structure to it whatsoever. No, of course not. I but mean, the, this actually looks pretty finesse and tight, and I like it. I'm. Um, it was a little reminiscent of a shadow ship. Yeah. Yes, oh. you're right. I would agree with that. But. Um. We are coming up on our time, but anything else you'd like to add before we give our grades? Well, for starters, um, I, I will say um, it looks like Laris is going to be sidelined until the end of the series. I, I've heard she doesn't come back. At all? At all. But I could I, – that, that – but that's that's what I've heard. I don't know. I, I can't. That correct. seems like it would be bad writing. They've got a lot of people to say goodbye to. They do. Then they shouldn't have um, had her and Picard hook up at the end of last season. 
they shouldn't have done a lot of things last season. <laughs> this is this is, this season is trying to fix a lot of things. I know, and I get that. I get that. But Picard. By the way, Patrick Stewart does sound better this season because and, he sounds more like Picard. Yes. He's not. They're not filling it in with. When you look up and you see the vastness of inspiration. Well, yeah. There's there's none of that. It's it's very to the point. Well, and, and this level of Picard, Picard has gotten happier each season too. Because uh, he started pretty, he started he suicidal at the beginning of season one. But even at the beginning of season two, he was speaking to Starfleet Academy. He was, you know. Involved. Seemed happy, generally. Yes. I mean, still a little, you know, reticent, like when Laris is trying to put the moves on him and stuff. But, you know, we had to dive into his psyche again later in the season. (laughs) Again, this would be the psyche to dive into. The misses with Beverly Crusher, things that we've seen. But we need to see it play out. We don't need to hear them talk about it. Right. That's what we're. That's what I'm seeing. We're seeing it play out, and what what you're what you're supposed to get, what you always got in TNG, was the subtlety of the reaction. Like when Cisco makes it very clear that he's no fan of Picard. Picard changes his demeanor, but it's all in his face. He doesn't want to sit there and talk about it. He's like, oh, I was responsible for someone. Uh, when I was Lacutus, I got it, and it 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 d- damages him. But that's the kind of thing. But they don't. He doesn't talk about it. They just talk about the sh- the rest of the operations. How Cisco is only there for temporarily and stuff like that. Right. But they don't talk about their feelings, which is great. They show it. They show that conflict, and I'm I'm seeing that a little bit here. Especially with Shaw, by the way. You're, I mean, that that scene at the dinner was reminiscent of Picard meeting Cisco for the first time. Well, yeah, where Picard shows up and he's not expecting to get, like, kicked in the face. <laughs> right. So th- there's some good subtlety here that I, I hope they continue, which I mm. hear they do. So, great. I give this an A. Just because I think we've got more to come. That's all. I give it an A, too. I I know we've got more to come. But what I'm seeing right now it's was excellent. excellent. It was it was fantastic. And it, it's almost as if, like, this is... <laughs> this is, like, Terry Metalis's like, last-ditch efforts. Throw everything at the wall to make sure it sticks. Because... We're going out with a bang. Although I hear that this can this show at the end of the season can set up for a new show. I'm okay with setting up spinoffs. Okay, so, and I, I'm okay if some of our favorite heroes don't have to ride off into the sunset. The only issue, the only concern is Metallus is not involved in anything with Star Trek after this season at this point. Like, there's nothing new in development. Aside from Strange New Worlds and and Lower Decks, so at this point, who knows? At this point, you know, know, depending on how well this is received, yeah. So, 
you know, I'll subscribe in the meantime because I have to. But A to me, A from me to the show. Congratulations, Star Trek. You were actually able to make me feel something other than derision. Or skepticism. <laughs> yeah. Because like, you really needed help dipping your toes into both Lower Decks and Strange New World. Yeah. It was it was it was a rough call. I mean and Strange New Worlds came out after season two of Picard, so and you know, we've had conversations about how betrayed I felt with Picard season two. Right. Because it, so, it did start off well. Exactly. This I'm a little bit more enthusiastic about. So hopefully that continues. I no, I hopefully agree. Hopefully that continues and we'll we'll have a good thing to talk about at the Definitely, end. I think some of the clips for like next week are looking like we may see Jordy next week. That'd be awesome. We can't. I know we, we're not trying to rush, but we can't leave some of the main characters off too long. We've got to get Worf. We got to get. Jordan. Oh yeah, yeah. We got to we'll get Deanna. Up. We got to get. If they're going to get closure, then we need to bring them in sooner rather than later in the season. I guarantee you, we're going to see them all by the end of season three, uh, episode three. By the end of episode three, I can guarantee you. Well, here's hoping. I don't know. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. That's just me as a fan and you know someone who likes looks at story structure. Mm-hmm. Like you just let it play out just a little bit, tease it out just a little bit at the beginning, but then give them the payoff. You know. Agreed. We so. we need to see more. And yeah. I, I'm excited for more. And if play more of that first contact music, big dog. I'm yeah. Just saying. Oh my God! Did I love hearing that? It, it surprised me, and I, I smiled. It made me smile. I knew that it was going to be used. I didn't know how it was going to be used. But uh, Metallus sent out a tweet. I sent you the link to that tweet, by the way. It was months ago, uh, where he was at the soundboard, and he said, "Just a little, fla- just a little tease for you—the flavor of the music you guys are going to get." And he was playing the first contact theme so <laughs> i know by the way what do you think of the end credits with all the oh it was neat oh it, i mean it was it would actually have some foreshadowing oh yeah uh there was something about there was something about shaw in it as well it was the top of his service back. record yeah it was it was his service record there was something about it all of it all of it was foreshadowing like, if oh, you yeah. go back, you can actually read into a whole bunch of that stuff. Tons so of Easter eggs, yeah. So, I, oh, that's what made me think that we're going to be seeing the Enterprise D. Oh, yeah, because there was a lot of Galaxy fleet classes mu- in there and stuff. Yeah, there was the Fleet Museum. They're going to be getting it. Uh, they're going to be, uh, it's not going to be the Enterprise D, but it's going to be a Galaxy class. Mm. That maybe they'll slap some paint on with a, a, a crew D on it. <laughs> maybe it's the saucer section. Well, that's true. It could be. They I mean, could put it on the, the battle section. They wouldn't. Put, they wouldn't. They'd have it on display somewhere. They wouldn't put it on another one unless some old decommissioned galaxy class lost its saucer section somewhere. That's my point. That's my point. They, I they guess. Can. Well, I guess we'll see. But folks, stay tuned for Picard season t- three. We will. Get back to you with it at the end of the season. 
you know, we are going to be mentioning it a couple times in, in our... Of course we will. <laughs> We're going to have to, but... <laughs> we will close the loop on this in season, at the end of the season. Yes, that's the perfect one. Close Any the loop. Any shots? Just close the loop. On that note, everybody... <laughs> uh, coming from an unusually happy P.S. McKay, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. I'm DT Cavman, and we'll just see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.